When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook, with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Welcome back. BetQL Daily, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Joe O, Joe G, Aaron Hawksworth with you on a Wednesday. Coming about 20 minutes, we'll have lightning bets for tonight across the NBA, possibly. Maybe we need a night off from that. Maybe some NFL. We'll look forward to the weekend here with the conference championships. Joining us right now to talk about those, Josh Norris, Odyssey Fantasy Football Insider. He's joining us on the Roman Guest Line. You can also hear Josh on the Underdog Football Show, available on YouTube and wherever you find your podcast. Josh, we appreciate you hopping back on the show. And we were just going over some props and, and talking through the uh, the games for this weekend. And curious your thoughts on kind of game script. Let's go to the Rams at 49ers. Are, are, the total in this game is 46 and a half. Feels a little bit low to us. What do you think about that game is – do you think it's more of a low-scoring game, and, and obviously that will affect how we, we play some of these props? Oh, great question. Um, I think part of it is what we've seen with the 49ers recently is that Kyle Shanahan just really has the script to find the gaps, find the lanes in against the Rams, against the Rams' defense. And like the two game scripts, even in those games, were quite different. I mean, the first one, it felt like they had control. They dominated the middle of the field in terms of that's where Jimmy Garoppolo was targeting. Then the second one, obviously, they worked from behind, especially in the second half. They were able to hit more throws outside the numbers. If you get like that version of Jimmy, who we've seen at points this year miss on those outside breaking routes early in games, then Kyle kind of gets back into a shell, puts the training wheels on. Or if he hits them, then boom, bombs away, and we're able to you know, expand the entire offense. I know I'm not exactly answering your question here, but I think early on we're going to figure out exactly what type of offense we're going to get from the 49ers. And if Jimmy is on one, guys, I really, really feel that 49ers not only can keep this one incredibly close, but absolutely come out on top. Hmm. Uh, The storyline that's not going to go away until Sunday night's game is about Shanahan versus McVay and how the 49ers have owned them. They had a chance to knock them out of the playoff picture, weren't able to do so after taking a commanding lead in week number 18. What, what do you think it is? When you look at the film, and I know you study a lot of the tape, what are you seeing? Why does McVay have success against everybody but Shanahan? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, First of all, what D'Amico Ryans is doing for the 49ers defensively, uh, I don't want it to be overlooked. Like how he's filled in incredibly well for Robert Sala, who goes on after 
multiple years as a great defensive coordinator, as a head coach. And Ryan's a former linebacker who's flown up the ranks. And what he did, you know, this past weekend on that final play against the Green Bay Packers, I don't think this is being talked about enough. I know that it looks like that Aaron Rodgers throws in a double coverage down the field, but Ryan's in that final snap sends both safeties on delayed blitzes, and it just kind of confuses the defense back there. Plus, like, no team, no team is better at, like, revitalizing some of these castaways along defensive lines and creating four, five, even six pass rushers up front. Um, Just quickly on the offensive side with Kyle Shanahan, why he has McVay's number is, like, that defense and a lot of games are built on, like, the two pillar pieces they have in Aaron Donald and in Jalen Ramsey. Now, the 49ers are playing with some backups, especially at right tackle, so maybe Aaron Donald can match up like he did last week against the Bucks. But what Kyle can do so well is force Jalen Ramsey into the position exactly where he wants him. I mean, the personnel groupings that the 49ers can put out there with going out in 11 personnel, but then putting, you know, Eli Mitchell is basically a fullback or Jeff Wilson as a fullback and then having Debo Samuel as the ball carrier. Personnel groupings aren't dictating now defenses. The formations along with the personnel groupings are allowing him to do that. And so if Kyle gets certain looks out of those formations, then he knows he's going to create things over the middle of the field. And again, these passing lanes and you have great yards after catch players as well. Like just how the 49ers have built this roster in the vision of the play caller that is Kyle it really is in unison, and that's why it's worked so well. What props are you looking at in this NFC Championship game? I feel like I'm looking at more props in the AFC one, but I'm sure we'll get to that one in a little bit. Um, like or, George Kittle, you want to talk about that? I'm down either way. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's let's do that one. Let's do that one. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So, which, which ones do you like? Is it uh, some anytime touchdown score, receiving, rushing, passing? Which props do you like? Love T. Higgins over sixty-eight and a half receiving yards, and like there were points this season where you know T. and Jamar Chase kind of bounce back and forth uh, in terms of their receiving totals. Um, obviously, we all we all know how great of a talent Jamar Chase is, and he's the alpha of this group. But what stood out to me. Last week, this team really got T. Higgins going. What, nine targets, seven receptions, 96 yards. A lot of those were in those, you know, too high cover two situations where you don't get that one-on-one with Jamar Chase on the outside. And, you know, I went back and watched that Chiefs and Bengals matchup from, from week 17. And, you know, Burrow went 30 of 39, 446, four touchdowns. Seven completions of 10-plus yards on the outside and outside the numbers, like downfield and outside the numbers, including three touchdowns. If we all remember, like those were Travarius Ward, whoever else, just getting totally roasted at the catch point. Um, I expect, you know, the Chiefs defense to give them a bit more help on the outside whenever they don't. One-on-ones, Jamar Chase, we know Joe Burrow is taking those. But to me, that opens up a lot of opportunities on those inside breaking routes that we got from T. Higgins this past weekend. And again, much lower when you compare 68 and a half for T. Higgins versus, you know, 86 and a half total yards. We have Jamar Chase at on underdog fantasy. Uh, Josh, it's interesting looking at Joe Burrow and his um, his prop this weekend for passing yards, about 280 you know, in the middle of the 280s there, 285 and a half or 287 and a half, excuse me, on, on FanDuel Sportsbook. And, I, and I, the thinking I have is they're probably down. They have to come back and kind of throw the football. But 
How much do you take into account what we saw last week? They're struggling to block. I mean, the first game in the playoffs against the Raiders, Burrow was hit a lot, sacked a lot last week, nine times. At some point, is that going to affect this? And are maybe these props for Joe Burrow's passing yards too high if he's taken five, six, seven, eight, nine sacks in a game? Yeah. And really what it came down to last week is the Titans are one of the lowest blitzing teams in the league because their front four can get home constantly. And really, the Bengals have one good offensive lineman. It's Jonah Williams at left tackle. But Joe Burrow is so good, so good at recognizing when a defense sends an extra man. I'm sure you all can think back to the Ravens game, a few others this year, because he instantly recognizes where the hot route is going to be. But, you know, he's not one of these hyper-mobile quarterbacks. And what we saw, you know, past Sunday with Patrick Mahomes and, and Josh Allen, that, like, when they do get pressure with four, he does freak out a little bit. And he's going to take sacks in those scenarios. I'll tell you this. If Melvin Ingram plays the way he did last week against the Buffalo Bills across from the backup right tackle that the Bengals have, it's going to be a long day for Joe Burrow. But at the same point, it's a difference in this Bengals team where early on the season, until about week 10, they were a very balanced team. In fact, in some games, they were very run first. In the final three weeks, plus the playoffs, they've understood that, hey, we are going to win and lose by the quality of our quarterback, the quality of our wide receivers, the quality of whatever it is our offensive line can, can do enough, and we're going to just you know, try to create explosive plays. They are invested and, and built well enough where I could see this, you know, both teams going over 27 points. We just saw it again, 34 to 31 a couple weeks ago. But it's all up to the fact, yes, the blocking is going to play a big part of it. But those one-on-ones on the outside, and I'll take the Bengals winning that matchup at wide receiver over the defensive backs. All right, so San Francisco and the over there. What about on the AFC side? The big story in the betting world is what's happening with the total. It's gone up four points from the opener this week, Josh. Yeah, and again, it makes sense how I really just outlined it where these teams just have offensive firepower. Now, I do kind of think that, like, if you paint a narrative, the again, the Chiefs defense, if they got home this week like they did last week, again, with Melvin Ingram and Chris Jones and Frank Clark, like, there's a potential for, you know, the Bengals to be stopped under 20 points again if, like, the 50-50 situations don't go in their favor this weekend. What I liked about the Chiefs and, like, there were points this season when we talk about narratives. Like, early on they faced those cover-two-shelled looks, and they just had no answer. Like, they loved to hit those explosive plays year after year after year. But, like, going through those growing pains, now they are more balanced than they ever have been really over the last three seasons. I don't think Patrick Mahomes had a passing play in the air of over 20 yards this past weekend. You compare that to what he did, you know, in previous years. So, like, really, all the difficulties, all of the other coverages that they faced earlier this year, now Patrick Mahomes is able and this offense, it's so much more balanced, especially the running game that we've shown because their offensive line are great run blockers. That, to me, that despite the Bengals, you know, playing above expectation on that side of the defensive football, I think the Chiefs are going to have an answer for every single look and every single covers that they put out. Have you? Do you have any interest or any thoughts on any Super Bowl futures? I think the 49ers are super frisky. Like, and I kind of root for chaos. I root for chaos. Would there be any more chaos this summer than 
hey, the 49ers last April trade up to number three overall to replace Jimmy Garoppolo, and here he goes oh. and wins the Super Bowl, right? And yeah, we it. can kind of all see that kind of happening, right? I mean, th- this is a team, but at least to me, all four, I'm not saying that they're equal, but when the 49ers run hot, when their quarterback doesn't let them down for an entire quarter and you know let the opposition get back into it, there can be a two-game stretch. I can even talk myself into it, despite being a Jimmy detractor at times, and, and say that, like, this team's good enough on both sides of the ball to, to go on a great two-game winning streak, especially against a team that they beat twice this season. So the 49ers, whatever their price is, uh, might put a penny on that one. Josh, when, when you look at the game um, and the Niners' future here, you mentioned them they're frisky to win the Super Bowl here. Would you look at the Super Bowl MVP odds? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is 9-1, to and certainly as the quarterback of a potential winner, he's got a real chance. But I feel like if any of the four teams left, that's the one where maybe we get a non-quarterback that wins the MVP. Just the way they play the game, the way Jimmy probably is good for a pick in that game. Any thoughts on Niners, Super Bowl MVP odds, not named Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, you, you can find Debo 16-1. You can go down to Kittle 40-1. to And defensive player like Bosa 75-1. to Thoughts on the Niners' uh, potential MVP if they do do this? Mm. I mean, yeah, all three of those names make, make a lot of sense. I mean, Debo's the obvious one, right? Just... The ability that he has to change games, to when the ball is in his hands, like that third and seven last week, when they are outside of field goal range to convert that. I mean, a unique talent across the league that is full of unique talents, right? Um, George Kittle, though, like we have seen him have incredible weeks this season. I'm not saying he's not necessary at these points, but even when he stays in to block, he's the one who's creating these outside runs for Debo he has the potential to have a game of a hundred plus yards. We haven't even mentioned Eli Mitchell, who I understand hasn't been maybe as explosive now as he was at points this season, but heck we've seen Kyle have playoff games with Raheem Mostert where he goes for 200 yards and three touchdowns. And if the defense can't stop that, Kyle's going to keep spamming it over and over and over again. And even the Nick Bosa shout out is good because two or three sacks absolutely in the realm of possibility. Cause Nick Bosa, one of the best edge pass rushers, in the league and whoever he faces, whether, especially if it's a Bengals backup offensive tackle or a weak spot at left tackle, even too, that's an absolutely enviable matchup for him. Josh, a lot changing in the NFL uh, this week and probably into next week with nine openings officially. Now, who knows? Maybe we'll get more. (laughs) We've heard uh, Jerry Jones said he's sticking with McCarthy, but you never know as uh, names become available. If you're looking to hire the offensive mind, the play caller, as your head coach, where would you go first? I don't know how you couldn't go to Brian Dayball. Um, yep. What he has done with the Bills is, is really stunning because they took over a pretty bad team, like team going through some, some struggles. And, you know, you hear about offensive lines throughout the league, and I'm a firm believer, firm believer that, like, Playoff success oftentimes is dictated by offensive line health and continuity. And to me, that was a big difference and obviously why the Bucks lost. Because, again, when they won the Super Bowl last year, they had the best injury luck across the entire league. And now look at where they are. Um, and what they did on that Bills team was basically sign five average to above average offensive linemen and like five find their best group as a unit. And then on top of that, you're taking this player. And if you go back and watch like Josh Allen's Wyoming highlights, not saying he's a totally different player, but where Dayball has been so good 
is he can like compartmentalize the pedal to the floor roller coaster that Josh Allen has been and really sign him up for success because all he does is ask him to win these one-on-one matchups and he's more athletic than basically anyone out there. Now, obviously going to your next spot, you're not going to be able to draft a Josh Allen like talent probably, but at least to me, he ran a much different offense at Alabama than he took on with the strengths and the players that he had in Buffalo. And he just, you know, built an offense around where his players went. It's so simple. But to me, when you look at offensive coordinators, him doing it in two drastically different styles really does stand out. Very impressive. Josh Norris, Odyssey, Fantasy Football, Insight on the Roman Guest Line. Get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to GetRoman.com slash BeckQL now. That's GetRoman.com slash BeckQL. Lightning Bets next on the BeckQL Network.